Miller Lite, the official beer partner of your Philadelphia Phillies, is proud to serve as presenting sponsor of WIP's High Hopes Pod. So whether you're listening to the game, catching up on the latest High Hopes Pod, or at the ballpark, remember it tastes like Miller time, Phillies fans. Celebrate responsibly. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is the High Hopes Podcast. I hope. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. And I think you can probably tell from the yo, it's a recording in the basement with Zoe up asleep one, Jack. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a while since we've had one of these. I'm sitting here. Um... Now, James, let me ask you a question before we start this whole entire podcast. Which is more likely that Jack is watching right now, Thursday Night Football or a Cole Hamill start from April? I, well, I think anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows that you're, li- you're actually watching Cole Hamill's right now. Which I am know. watching Cole Hamill's right now. I am, I am all ready for the Cole Hamill's reunion. My body is ready for the Cole Hamill's reunion. I don't even care. That both him and Deshaun Jackson both had a groin in, or an oblique <laughs> injury. That <laughs> I can't think of two Philly athletes less alike than Cole Hamels and Deshaun Jackson, so it's good. Um, yeah, so so what if he had an oblique injury, and so what if Deshaun had an oblique injury, and so what if they're both a great reunion that may have only lasted, you know, one game or one start? I'm ready for a Cole Hamels reunion. I got like honestly, I saw the news today and I got super excited. I am I am ready for Cole Hamels to go to come home, and uh, yeah, we can start the podcast now. Yeah, well, that's good. I was gonna get there eventually, but we may as well start with it. Hundred percent with you. The official high hopes position on Bang. bringing Cole Hamels home is do it immediately. Bring Cole home. We are all in. I'm with you, man. I think he's still – look, he's one of those guys who's aged well into, like, his arsenal and learned how to pitch, you know, with a with a less velocity. And, and he's a smart pitcher. And he's really had nice stretches where he's looked like a, a really good pitcher still. And it's just a no-brainer, man. I mean, it talk about it. It's a move that is it makes sense on the field, obviously, because we are desperate for starting pitching. And it's not a big expenditure. It's not a long-term – expenditure uh but also it's just like from a uh like think about the fans man like it, yeah. it'll be awesome like we have two world series mvps and one of them's mike schmidt and this guy's the other like bring him home man and he's even out there being like love to come home guys bring me home that'd be great like let's do this like do that's it that's not how he sounds obviously he's more <laughs> like bring me home guys yeah yeah come on Can we please get in cole hounds was like sure yeah, I, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in now. Hold on, now, who would you say has aged better into their late thirties, Cole Hamels or James Seltzer? Oh, buddy. Oh man. Yeah, Hold on. Wait, Cole Hamels is thirty six, right? You're thirty eight. Thirty eight. So oh, he graduated college, or he graduated high school in two thousand two. He was a, he was a, a 
number 17th overall pick in the first round in 2002. Does that mean that you graduated high school in 2000? It does, my friend. Class of the oh millennium, baby. God, Class of the so millennium. Old. Yeah, I can call oh, yeah. I can call Cole Hamels a kid. So, what up, kid? <laughs> 2000 um, bring was the, the kid home. Two thousand was like my first memory. It was like me going to my friend's house for the two thousand, like the ball drop. You the, um, are New Year's Eve. a jerk. My first, my first. You wouldn't Eagles say memory. this if we were in the same room together. The first time we're apart, you come at me. I see how it is. <laughs> my first Eagles memory was like Doug Peterson playing quarterback. That was like your heyday. Yeah, man. I, I had a good time back then. I'll just say. So that. bring Cole Hamels home. That's bring Cole Hamels home. We we now, we agree. On MLB Trade Rumors, his uh, layout or his like projection or whatever, they had him getting two years, thirty million. Wow, I, I don't, I don't feels, really think fe- it. feels a little high. Yeah, it feels hefty. Yeah. It feels hefty. He says he says he's signing a one year deal with a contender. I think he'll end up signing a one year deal with an option, like a one year, you know, ten to twelve. Ten, million ma- deal. ten to twelve. That like, literally, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and then give him, give him an option year for the second year, a team option, mutual option, whatever. Like, if he gets hurt again, you want to have that kind of protection. If it's a one-year deal, it's perfectly fine. You know, I, I don't love – I would if – they, if they sign him for two years, $30 million, I would not like that. I would say be happy that Cole Hamels is back. But um, if it's just like a one-year with a second-year option, I think that's a perfect way to go. Um, but we'll see. I, I, it just it, it makes too much sense at this point not to happen, and and I'm getting prematurely excited for it. I'm way too excited for it. Like I'm I'm already at the point where if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be incredibly disappointed, which is it's dangerous, gonna Jack. No, nah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Gonna I'm, not, I'm not even worried about it. Like to, like here's the thing, and 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 Marxy said this before the show today, where Marxy. he was like. Where he, yeah, if, <laughs> formerly of the High Oath podcast, um, <laughs> where he said, like, he said, like, we could have got Cole Hamels two years ago um, with with at the trade deadline or whatnot. And at that point, it was John Middleton that was listening to his baseball people, you know, listening to his analytics crowd. And the analytics crowd ended up being wrong on Cole Hamels. Like, Cole Hamels still had a lot left in the tank. He went to Chicago, and no, he was not rejuvenated by a you know being in a, in a in a hunt i mean maybe it was to an extent but what the, what the cubs did was they unleashed his cutter and they said you need to you need to throw this more it'll make you more effective and thus cole hamels became a really good pitcher i mean cole hamels before the injury this year he had a 296 era in 16 starts like that like i mean a play <laughs> from, from a philly standpoint we'll take it i mean it would have uh, been the ace this year with that. <laughs> yeah yeah so like we'll take it now John Middleton's kind of in charge, and he's going to see this Cole Hamels thing and be like, you know what? That's a no-brainer. It's an absolute it's no-brainer. It's just smart so. on every level. Like, it's just yeah. smart. Like, it's smart on a on-the-field sense, and it's smart in a business sense. It's a no-brain. Like, it's such an obvious move. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a – he's still pretty good. He's obviously not the Cole Hamels they, they traded away in 2015 and sub- subsequently got uh, nothing for in, in 2015. Yeah. Jorge, um, which was part of the Romito trade, but not great. Yeah, I mean, Jared Eikhoff being non or whatever this yeah. week. Like, that put the end of that. Um, so, Nick I mean, Williams, I guess, is still in the organization, but, you know. Until he's traded. Yeah, let's be possible. real. Let's be real. Um, but, like, Alfaro was obviously massive in getting in getting GT Romito, but it was, like, still. 
the Cole Hamels trade, they didn't really get much out of it. And at that point, they were trading like an ace or a 1A. They're getting back right now. Um, they're getting back like a 4, a 4-5 pitcher. Um, for the Phillies, unfortunately, he'd probably be their number <laughs> three um, yeah. heading into the season. Well, two but if they didn't add someone else, which they obviously right. we think they will. They're, they're, they have to add someone I, else. I, like they, I agree. They will. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. I want to, I want to quickly, before we get back to free agency stuff and again, bring Cole Hamels home. Um, Matt Klentak uh, was on the midday show today and uh, we're recording it Thursday night. And it was a a pretty long interview, like about 24 minutes. Um, and, And the podcast is up. If, if people want to go listen to it, it's certainly worth your time. Uh, we don't, we're not, you know, we're not sending these listeners somewhere else. Well, that's true. These are, these well, don't are our here. listeners. Yeah. But if you're interested, I mean, it's fine. You know, we're, we have a, we have a vested interest. We're all good. Um, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I thought it was a really good interview. I thought uh, uh, Joe and John did a good job of, of asking the question needed to be asked, but it was not a, a combative type of interview. And I actually thought Matt Klentak acquitted himself pretty well and after the two press conferences the, obviously the the one horrendous press conference i thought it was smart for him to do the interview before getting into the specifics um what was your kind of main takeaway from it um i thought it was fine uh he's just i mean he's always a good talker yeah so. and he's good at deflecting yeah every time he talks i'm like ah, oh, you know what he is smart um but at the same time like how can you go into a a press conference and boast about how you had the fourth lowest second half ERA, uh, like your bullpen of the second fourth lowest second half ERA in baseball last year, and then also use bullpen injuries as the reason why you didn't make the playoffs? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> like, it's no, like, you're right. You, you're right. It's like, are you are you kidding me? Like, because <laughs> I re-listened to it on the way home. Yeah, that's quite you know, a. You're right. It's a. It's, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, super. We had the fourth lowest bullpen ERA in baseball last year, but also the bullpen was the reason why we didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Which I thought it was insane. <laughs> the, the farm system, the farm system stuff is still annoying to me. Yeah, I like was gonna talk- get into that for sure. Like he's talking about all these like, uh, you know, uh, Kingery graduated and Hoskins graduated, and 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 all this. It's like, well, I mean, those were remember tomorrow guys. Um, and just because those guys have graduated doesn't mean that you can't supplant talent behind them and, and continue to build that way. And the players you're graduating aren't all that great anyway. Like the, 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 the players that Matt Klentak has drafted and gotten to the major leagues are Adam Hazley and Cole Irvin. And I think Adam Hazley's a fine player. And I think Cole Irvin is, is unpitchable in the major league level. I think Alec Bone's gonna be good. I think Spencer Howard's gonna be good, but like, to, to say, like, oh, we've graduated all this talent to the major league level, like, usually that is the Juan Sotos, that is the Ronald Acuna's. You know, if you're talking about that kind of level of, of depleting your farm system, you're, you're bringing up those kind of guys, and they're just not. Like, they're, <laughs> they're bringing up players who are good, but I don't, I don't know if they're that good. He also said this, like, no one caught it, and, and I didn't catch it until the second time around, but he said that we have a championship core here. And yeah, I, I heard just, I heard him say that, and I kind of raised an eyebrow. Yeah, and I, I I would just like to say, let's add a little bit to what we're going with here to say this is a championship core. Like you need to add more core pieces. Like you're not even really that close at this point. 
Um, but it was fine. It was good. He always sounds smart. He sounds articulate. And I, I just, I, I would like to stop picking on Matt Glenzak because I just, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that kind of guy. Like, because this is the High Hopes podcast, and I would like to be behind my GM. It's just like <laughs> he's smart, but he just talks in circles, and. I just don't – it's just I feel like I'm being sold more than I'm yeah, believing. I think the issue is that we still haven't really seen him take accountability. We still haven't really seen him say, like, we made mistakes. Like, he always kind of flex and, and, and says our process was good or we believe in we're going to go back and analyze it. But you never hear him say, listen, I blew that. Believing that, for example, Nick Pavetta – was going to be a good starting pitcher, blah, 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 this season. Like, I was wrong. Like, just some sort of acknowledgement. Um, we never seem to get that. And I think that's what's kind of irksome about yeah, like, it. I, I always was skeptical of Nick Pavetta. And I have come <laughs> out and said that, you know, it was wrong to bet on him. And I have admitted that I was right just to be skeptical of Nick Pavetta. I never said he'd be a Cy Young candidate, and I never said he'd automatically strike out more than 200 people this year. Yeah, or a, a splitter away, cutter away from Kurt Schilling, something like that. No, nah, well, listen, I'm just being accountable. You look at you. Look at you. Clint See, this is, this is how you do it. This is good work. All right. Um, <laughs> some, 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 and by the way, Jack and I actually listened to this together. First of all, he kept telling me, like leading up to it, you know, tell him to tell him to go get Jameson Tyon or or whatever, knowing that all I could do when Clintag calls up is just be like, oh, thanks for coming on, Matt. Let me let me put you up. But um, yeah, well, let, let's let's give an accurate depiction to the people. So I'm sitting in the back. Yes. I'm saying to James, I'm saying to James, with basically whispering in his ear. I'm basically saying, ask him if he knows who we are. Yes. Um, and thank. And first uh, of all, he I, said I, the first thing he said was, "You should answer the phone and just say, hey, Matt, thanks for listening.' Yeah, or you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're welcome for guiding you through this, holding your hand through this off-season yes. process, Matt. Yes. Um, yes. That is how I would have answered the phone. Now, what what I heard from James was, "Oh, Matt, thank you so much <laughs> for coming on. We really." really appreciate it Matt meanwhile I'm behind him saying ask him about Didi Gregorius uh, you're the one you're the one who traded for a fat shortstop Matt like can we can yes. we focus on the important issues here yes yes that is uh surprisingly accurate as to how it played out that surprisingly accurate um, well I, I just would like to say that I had my eyes on the prize you had your eyes on the midday show and yeah well, I just I think it's just. I think it's just sad, honestly. Yeah, I would. I would. I would like to see how you would have next time when maybe if you could actually book Matt Clentag on your show, then uh, you could show me how to answer the phone the right way. Am I right? Here's the thing: I would have booked him for the real show, which is this. And oh, I, I like that. To, that was a good one right there. I don't think. I, I don't talk, think he would have said yes, but I like that. It's good. And work. when I talked to when I talked to Joe Girardi, I said. We'll be back in 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we'll get Brian Barber on the podcast. That's, yes. that's, that's more our territory. That's what we do, man. And that's what people want to hear from <laughs> anyway. I mean, if we're being realistic, Brian Barber, more important. So come on. Um, 
I want to, with the Clentag thing, though, there were a few other things. And first of all, like, just to harp on the farm system thing, he also, like, said, I'm more bullish on the farm system than others. And, you know, just... Well, just so am I. Yeah, well, obviously. But I just, he, again, just one of those situations where instead of offering some sort of answer, he kind of just defends... His position, but some things that well, what if he's me. right though? What if he's right? Yeah, look, I think I, I, I think is. the farm system is better than a lot of people make it out. Good, there. all right. You are also incredibly optimistic when it comes to young Phillies players, but so what if Bryson Stott is going to be our next Corey Seager? <laughs> See, that's why friend that's why of the show, Bryson Stott, a right-handed yes. hitting Corey Seager. I mean, Bryson Stott's a lefty, so please know your prospects. Bryson Stott's a lefty. Yes, this well, is very that. sad. Yeah, that's a bad job by me. Uh, I'll take I'll take that one. I sent you all the videos. I know. Were you not watching? I was not watching. Oh, so, what it, is going yeah, on? Yeah, it's a bad job by me. <laughs> and we'll uh, I'll take the L on that one. Uh, it's all right. I mean, what is it? What is it? An hour and fifteen minutes past your bedtime? I'm so f- tired. Up oh, and I curse. <laughs> oh, here we go. Jesus. Here we go. I what are we so doing? I'm so tired. <laughs> Alright, I I had an event in Westchester tonight It's a great place I, I got the, up at the, 6 o'clock in Westchester It took me an hour and 20 minutes to get out there Through like a storm that was like awful was the house like, that what, I was white knuckling it out there I am uh, I'm hurting Jack Yeah, but you were Did you walk in the West did you, did, you, did you step out of your car in Westchester And know that you were in the town that Fritz built? <laughs> I didn't even think about it once. You didn't uh, think about it once? I should have. I, I now. In oh, hindsight. this is. I was now two and zero in the high school playoffs. They no, still talk about it. Now in hindsight, I can't believe I. Uh, again, I'm tired, Jack. That's my uh, my excuse. Oh. But I, I still am here doing the Ohio's podcast because that's how much I love the listeners. Well, I should you're be doing sleeping a great job. Right yeah, apparently, um, not as much. All right, a couple other things that stood out. Um, the Kingery thing. Uh, not ideal that uh, he thinks Scott Kingery is the best defensive player at four different positions, Jack. Yeah, but I mean that's just the reality of the situation. Oh I God! Shortstop, third base, center field, and second base. He's like, yeah, he's best defensive player at all his positions. That's crazy. Because well, because me and you both heard that, and we were like, well, that's insane. <laughs> and, and then, then we, we like, talked <laughs> it out. We're like, oh no, wait, yeah, no, he definitely is. We were like, wait, Segura can't get to any ball. Uh, we're like, Hazley uh, in center? Hernandez. No, no, Kingery's better. Now, Kingery is not a good third base. Roman Quinn, if Mike Roman Gray. Quinn were like a real viable option as a starter, you could say he's a better defensive center fielder, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think the biggest takeaway from the Kingery thing from what, what Clintac said was that it, it feels like they're, they, they are planning to use Kingery in the same kind of way that they used him last season. Yep. And I don't think that necessarily means that Cesar Hernandez is coming back. I don't think he is. I think they'd be foolish to give him the, the arbitration number that is being rumored out there. But I think they would like to bring back Kingery. And let's say that they don't they don't sign a Moustakis. They don't sign a Donaldson for third base. Kingery can play third base until Bohm's ready. And obviously, we, have, we don't know if Bohm can stick at third base. But I think the smart thing to do would be to stick him at third base and let him kind of figure it out. Or... Cesar's gone, and you play Segura at second base and Kingery at shortstop, or they sign Didi Gregorius and he plays shortstop. Segura plays second, someone else plays third, and he and and Kingery is playing center field. Like there's 
there's just a lot of options for Kingery, and it's what makes him so um, such a unique player. It makes him so fun. So um, it wasn't the worst. Like I was, I was honestly more glad that he gave that answer rather than he's going to be our starting second baseman next year because I don't think that's the best allocation of the Kingery resource. Yeah, and I don't think that he would have said it even if that were the plan. Is Cesar obviously still here, and that would you know create a lack of leverage and all that type of stuff. But um, I'm with you. I think Kingery. He the fact that he can play all these positions at a relatively high level is is a valuable asset, and I think to not utilize it probably would be silly. So I'm with you. Um, the Reese Hoskins answer we both um, kind of looked at each other as he was asked a question about Hoskins, and and he said the right things, but man, did he pause and kind of sigh before answering? And you could just tell like. Um, it wasn't a, a we love Reese. Re- he was asked about the question was about Reese's second half struggle and whether it was a, a long term concern. And he didn't pounce on it and say, we love Reese. He's going to be fine. He's going to be. It was a much more hedgy answer, especially at the beginning. What was kind of your takeaway from that? Yeah, it was surprising because uh I, I think if Reese was still viewed as a franchise cornerstone, it would have been, we love Reese Hoskins. We have no doubt exactly. that he's going to figure it out. And he's going to be a, a legit piece moving forward. And, and if I was a Reese Hoskins fan, which I am, and I, I, I would be very, very hesitant to move on from Reese Hoskins this season or this offseason because I, I do think we're going to only see better from Reese. I think that was just a, a blip in the radar. Um if I fully believed in Reese Hoskins, I would have been like, listen, this guy's got a track record. We believe in the talent, and, and he's going to be a really good player for us. But what Clintock said was like, yeah, you didn't really want to see that. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, hold on. Are we talking about Reese Hoskins here? Yeah. I thought, I thought it was insane, and it, it, really did, it really did, for the first time, make me believe that they are – they would consider moving Reese Hoskins, whereas he would have been viewed as untouchable, um, you know, even last offseason. And I think a lot of that has to do with the emergence of, of Alec Bohm. And, like, I was watching Alec Bohm this week, and the guy is just not a third baseman. And I don't think he can play third base. I don't think he can. I think he's just too big for third base. And it's not like he's. Either they need to DH in the NL or they need to start moving him to left field or they need to trade Reese Hoskins because the the bat is too special. The bat is too special, and he is just – like the third base movements are weird. Like even in warm-ups, he couldn't even throw the ball across the, across the diamond. It was crazy. For a guy that's played third base, like, and like he's played enough third base that he should be able to know how to play third base. I was shocked at his inability to play third base. So, like, maybe Bohm has come along so far. They viewed the bat as being too special not to, to bring up and have ready to play that they would consider moving Hoskins this offseason. Either way, it was surprising to hear him not just be like, Reese Hoskins is our guy and he's not going anywhere. Yeah, that was my takeaway too. And, look, Bohm, I think probably from a ceiling perspective, because of the average, might have a higher ceiling as a a bat than, than Hoskins. But – I'm with you, and I think that selling Hoskins now just seems foolish to me. I mean, you would be – and look, I know that I don't think they they would trade him without finding good value for him or at least something, you know, that would help them right away. Um, but 
Um, I, I just think that, that and because I'm sure some teams will still believe in what he's shown at the major league level, but I just feel like Trey now feels like it, at his low point. I mean, he's never had such a long, you know, prolonged slump in his career and really looked lost, uh, you know, a lot of that period. I just, I'm with you. I feel like it's a waste of Hoskins, and I still believe in him long term, too. He's shown that he's too good a hitter at the major league level. I mean, it'd be really crazy for someone who hit well like the most home runs in in history right between his first uh whatever you know 100 games whatever how many games like it kept going for a while at least uh i mean like not that flash in the pan don't happen but i mean he put up you know a good what 400 game stretch of, of really good baseball maybe longer you know so um you never know but i, I would be surprised if he's just cooked as it were um, another, uh, really nice thing to hear, uh, he was asked about McCutcheon's health, uh, and he seemed incredibly bullish that McCutcheon is on track to be ready to go for spring training. Uh, also said Arietta was too, but we care a lot less yeah. about that. Uh, really yeah. good to the hear qu- that about McCutcheon, question. you know, cause that's a, you know, he's an, you know, not a kid anymore. The question, the question was, yeah. are Arietta and McCutcheon on track for, <laughs> for opening day? And I love that you're just like. Yeah, so McCutcheon is ready for opening because day. Because who cares? <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be nice if Arietta wasn't. Just take your money and let Spencer Howard start the season in the rotation. That that's what I would want. Yeah. So yeah, I mean Arietta and, and McCutcheon obviously being ready for day one of spring training is massive, and hopefully, because I don't know what they're planning to do with 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 outfield, um, and it's such a huge question because. I would love for McCutcheon to take down center field every day. I just don't think he can do it. Yeah, coming uh, off an ACL, at what he'll be thirty two or thirty three, thirty two, I think. Um, that's a that's a big ask. He hasn't played it, is. it consistently for a while either. So, he, listen, if he, if I'm just saying that if he didn't get hurt last year, he was going to be their center field. Yeah, no, every day. So, um, I, I I don't know, but I'm I'm glad he's back on the on on track and. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he's going to do because he was he was just starting to round into form um, before the Achilles hit, and I I, I just want to see what a full season of of a healthy Pikachu can do because I they they would be getting a really 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 good player back that can play multiple outfield positions and uh, yeah last year was really unfortunate so good to hear that that, that he's on track and even Arietta I know I mean bones for mm-hmm. Arietta get those bones for out of there. Mm-hmm. He said he saves me back with throwing 98. So sure. Watch out. Can't wait. All right. Moving on. Two more things. Uh, I can't believe we made it this long without you commenting on the fact that uh, Matt's rooting for the Giants, you think, right? Yeah. So I've been uh, going around the office and I've just been asking people who is Matt Klanzak going to be rooting harder for next year, the San Francisco Giants or the <laughs> Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies. And if any of us know Matt Klentak, like I think we know Matt Klentak, he's going to be rooting way harder for the Giants next year than he is the Philadelphia Phillies because that dude loves Gabe Kapler, and he is just not ready to admit that that he was wrong on Gabe. There, there's no doubt in my mind. He said like he said something like, "Yeah, I love Kapler. Everyone knows I love Kapler." He and said I'm he wants ready. him to get the uh, Giants job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, last thing before we move on. I, I just, I do think the most important takeaway from what Matt Klintag has said at all three of these, you know, the two press conferences and now with Joe and John, 
I think at least, and look, um, I, I obviously we know what that's going to entail uh, this off season, but it seems like the it's a consistent message that they have to win now. And I think that Matt Glentag knows that if they don't make the playoffs this year, he's done. Would you agree with that? One hundred percent. Yeah, I would. I could not agree more. All right. Uh, speaking of what they're gonna have to do this off season, uh, I look. We're gonna talk. How many podcasts are we gonna do about Garrett Cole and Strasburg and all of this off season? But just like before, we kind of get into the thick of it and we go along and stuff. Just to, when you look at Cole, then Strasburg, and then the tier of like Wheeler, Mad Bum, and Ryu. What's your just general thought? of this kind of top end to, to lower top end free agent class of pitchers and the importance of kind of, you know, getting a top guy versus one of those other guys. Yeah. So there's been a, a good amount of talk, I would say in Philly's land of like, well, you know, why would you, why would you just marry yourself to one of Strasburg or Cole when you probably get the same kind of value out of, uh, Wheeler and Hamels or Wheeler and whatnot or Bumgarner and Ray Uli. You probably get the same kind of value out of those two. But like, I, I just think what people are, are missing there is that it's a window and it's a, it's a window that you want to keep open for a long period of time. It's not about next year. If your only goal is to win the world series next year, then sure. If, if, if Wheeler and, Hamels would cost you the same as Steven Strasburg that might provide more value to your team next season, but it's not really just about next season. It's about the next five years, you know, maximizing the Bryce Harper window, the Bryce Harper window, the JT Realmuto window and getting a guy like Strasburg or Cole, like that is, that is a move that is going to like, that's a, a guy you can just slot in ahead of Nola and let everything else figure it out. After that, that that way you have a Cole Nola or a Strasburg Nola, and it's like you don't really have a question mark. And sure, you're paying way more money for one pitcher, but it, like it it allows everything else to make sense. Whereas you want to give Zach Wheeler, I don't know, five years, a hundred fifteen million dollars, like that's terrifying. I mean, Zach Wheeler, I like Zach Wheeler. But giving Zach Wheeler more than a hundred million dollars is 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 like terrifying, and you don't know what you're gonna get out of Zach Wheeler. You have the injury history, you have you have all that, and it's like, why would you not like the the thought process should be go as hard as possible after one of the studs, let them let them be the lead of your rotation, let Nola settle in behind him. And then figure out the rest from there. Like you can still sign Cole Hamels if you sign one of the big guys, and you have a good rotation. Rather than rather than let's sign Wheeler and whatnot, and go from there. I I just think that it's 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 a lot of flawed thinking, and it's not about next season. And this is about keeping the window open for as long as possible. And and signing a Garrett Cole, signing Steven Strasburg, it, it is keeping the window open as long as possible. Now, um. I do like Zach Wheeler. Like I, I think Zach Wheeler is intriguing, and I I would give him the money just because I think he still has the the upside, and and I think that he's been really really good the second half of the last two seasons. Like obviously in 2018 he had the one six eight ERA, and it, I mean he single handedly carried me to a fantasy baseball championship. And then last year I think he had like a two six three ERA, was still pretty good. 
and there's just so much stuff and i think brian price would do a lot of good with him and the injury stuff is like he came out to the start of the second half last year with just a uh, right shoulder fatigue which i don't feel great about um but i i think he's a a really re- at worst you're getting a good pitcher um obviously worst worst case scenario is that he gets hurt but just pure stuff and pitching wise worst case scenario you're getting a good pitcher the best case scenario is that you're unlocking another level of zach wheeler um which with brian price in in house makes me feel more confident in them being able to unlock so i would give him the money but i would just rather pay for a cole strasberg and then sign a lower level guy rather than a wheeler and a ryu or wheeler and and bumgarner or whatnot because i just don't i don't view next year as like we got to get it next year i view this as a window and i want to keep the window open as long as possible yeah i 100 percent agree with you uh just 100 percent. i think you nailed it and also i just think you can count more on cole or strasburg to give you what you expect you know like you said wheeler there is certainly a ton upside and that deal certainly could have a chance to be a, a home run type of deal, but I also think there's there's way more risk than with those other two guys. So um, yeah, and also like he was so what made him really go to a next level in 2018 was he was throwing his splitter around like 8.5 percent of the time. Um, and Brian Price is a splitter guy from the stuff that I've read in the past, which I mean it may be leading me to another breakout Pavetta <laughs> production because oh man. <laughs> Oh, listen, I I have tried to keep the breakout Pavetta. You just can't quit him. Oh, no, I can't quit. I can't quit Nick Pavetta. It's it's like love at first sight. Mm. And I just I love story for the ages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going to mention me in this Hall of Fame speech. It's going to be great. But. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, God. you know, Smoltz was a reliever, and then he should we just end the podcast right now? You, where do we go from here? <laughs> but uh, I would like to see him get back to his splitter. I'm a I'm a splitters man, and I want to bring a the splitters man. Oh, I I love a good splitter. You know, it's just there's nothing better than a well executed splitter. And I was looking at his game logs last year, or like when it, when he would throw the splitter. And and I, I kid you not, his like last splitter was a was a start against the Phillies in in July of 2019, and his last splitter before that was also a Phillies game in like May. Like he only threw a splitter against the Phillies, and maybe that's, that's the only so reason weird. why it why it's sticking out in my head right now. That is really really strange. Um, all right, one last thing. Uh, some big names potentially on the trade market, it looks like. Um, Mookie Betts is a name that's kind of been tossed around now that J.D. Yeah. Martinez opted back in. But um, Francisco Lindor, uh, a buster yes, only wrote, uh, it is not a matter of if Cleveland will trade Lindor, but when. So, God, I love that sentence. Is there is there uh, a better sentence in in free agency than that sentence right there? I mean, Lindor is among my favorite non Phillies baseball players. Like he's he's the best man. Oh, I love him. He's so I much fun Francisco to watch. Lindor. Like both sides of the ball. Like he yeah. is the, one of the best defensive shortstops in the game, and super fluid, super fun, and obviously like and. 
outstanding hitter who packs a punch for a little guy. And uh, I think his nickname is Smiles or something like that because he's always smiling. Like, he's just – and it, like – Is I, that why they call him Smiles? Yeah, like, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yo, what would you give up for Francisco Lindor? <laughs> Um and I mean obviously we both love Mookie Betts so the, but the difference between Mookie yes. and Mookie has and, yeah he's one more year yeah so exactly. Mookie has Lindor one year has left one more year. Francisco Lindor has two years left and I just I just want Francisco Lindor so bad I I Francisco Lindor is so perfect if you can have Harper and Wright and him at him at shortstop it just everything just would fall into place in the world, honestly. Like, for as much as Jimmy Rollins is revered in this town, like, Francisco Lindor would be on another level. Um, Francis- Francisco Lindor is 25 years old, and he's made f- four all-star teams. Yeah. yeah he's a, he's <laughs> an amazing, amazing baseball player. And again, like, he's, uh, like, a super likable dude who's a f- winner. And, dude. Oh, uh, this city would love him. They eat him up. Everyone would eat him yeah. up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cause James and I were talking about this today and my, my initial offer for Francisco Lindor would be Spencer Howard, Reese Hoskins, Adam Hazley, and Bryson Stott. And I said I would do it, but that it seems like a lot, but I would do it. It seems like a lot, but I don't think you can get it with like, so that's, so, so Stott would be their, uh, Lindor kind of replacement. Um, Spencer Howard would be another guy that they would turn into a Yeah, a Howard's the toughest part of the deal for me. Well, I would rather give up Spencer Howard than Bohm in a deal. Like if I could do that deal with Medina or like an obviously Medina doesn't have the same value too, but like someone like that. Um because I mean Hoskins, you're still giving up some real value. I mean but I think you're probably right. I, I think you'd have to give up more. I think Reese Hoskins is realistically, I think he's the most valuable uh, like, like centerpiece of the deal that could be moved this offseason. Like, what is another player that is going to be on the market this year? Like, uh, like that is going to be the part of a package, not like a, a centerpiece of a deal. Like Mookie and Francisco Lindor are different. Like, they're different scenarios. They're both centerpieces of deal. I'm talking about like that can that can be a the main part of a deal. Like Reese Hoskins still has four years of control left, and He's already proven in the big leagues that he is a legit right-handed slugger. Obviously, he had the second, the bad second half this season, but like you're you're betting on Reese Hoskins who has done it versus prospects who likely have not done it. So I think I think Reese has more value than people are really uh, giving him credit for. But I just think that like if you're the Indians, you get a controllable first baseman for the next four years that slugs. I mean, Reese Hoskins is a is a good hitter that I think will figure it out. You're getting. Spencer Howard, who, you know, in the stupid scouting community, it's like, oh, this guy's a number two. Like, no one's ever a number one starter. I don't see any reason why Spencer Howard can't be an, an ace like That's starter. why I feel like it's tough. This is tough to give him up in this. With Hoskins, like, that's a lot. Stott is a legitimate shortstop that could – he'll be in the big leagues in two to three years. Um, and then Adam Hazley's already proven that he can be at least an MLB serviceable um, – outfielder and the Indians need outfielders. So it's a, it's a lot. I, I don't know if we'll get the deal done. Like Francisco Lindor is Francisco Lindor. Um, but I think that that gets you to the, to the, uh, the table. All right, Fritzy, final thoughts. 
my final thought is like I I just want you I want you to apologize to everyone in the High Hopes community for getting Matt Glentak on the midday show and completely disregarding um, the High Hopes listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what we do here. We talk about the Phillies. Uh, you guys make up Wentz topics and argue about Carson Wentz all the time. <laughs> I would never. I would never do that. Oh, sure. <laughs> yes. And I would just like you to apologize to everyone out there tonight for getting Matt Glenzak on the midday show. Um, when the Hyos podcast is the official Phillies podcast of Phillies fans everywhere. Um, all I can say is um, I'm incredibly sorry. What else am I supposed to say? Horrible job. Just a horrible job, man. That is all I want to say. Um, and my other final thought is I really, really wish the Phillies lost more games this season. Um, I, know. <laughs> I know. You, you said know. that to me earlier. Uh, I, I hate I am already looking up um, next year's draft class, and Austin Martin is going to be that draft class as Alex Bregman, and I am just I'm I'm already upset that we're going to miss out on him. Although 15, it seems like we're going to get some real talent, Austin Hendricks or um, Blaze Jordan, but and I'm already like I'm already the draft is in June, Jack. I can't wait. I can't. I wait. know you're so I'm, ridiculous. I'm already ahead of free agency. Uh, I've already I had love a call that you're, Yeah, yeah, you've already you're you're ahead of the start of next season, you know. Sure. Yeah. No. Yep. Yep. I mean, right. I don't you know, I'm I'm all about the important things like the draft and scouting directors and the things that actually matter. So, I'm already upset that they're going to miss out on Austin Martin. I'm upset about the draft next year, but it's all going to be okay cuz I think they're going to get a legit stud at 15. I'm already excited for 15. I'm okay to take a high school player. I know we got a lot of <laughs> a lot of podcasts until the uh, until we have the draft. so many podcasts until then. And there's like four people that care, but I'm one of them. You um, might be the only one. Uh, I'm really excited about Brian Price. That's another final thought of mine. I I, I can I'm you're just myself. saying you're just saying stuff right now. Yeah, I am just saying stuff yeah. right now. Cause I, uh, yeah, because I I was worried I was gonna lose the baseball touch when I got the Marks and Reese job. And I would just like to let everyone know that I'm the same Jack. Breathe uh, a sigh of relief, everybody. Yes. Everyone can breathe a sigh of relief. We're and, all good. Um, and this is going to be, I'm, I'm now uh, adopting Alex Carr, uh, his theory of trading for James and Tyon and, and Kyle Crick. It is now my theory. I'm very sorry, Alex Carr. Um, Alex Carr in his uh, SB Nation um, simulation, I guess, that they do this thing with, with they became fake GMs for a couple of days. They um, rebuilt the Phillies in an offseason, and his main move was trading for Jameson Tyon and Kyle Crick. And I'm very sorry, Alex, but that is now my idea. And I am now all aboard getting Jameson Tyon on the Phillies. He's going to miss all next season, but... The Phillies do not have another path to getting a legit stud pitcher after Spencer Howard. And Jamison Tyon is the perfect candidate to fix that. And with Kyle Crick, I'm a sucker for a good spin rate. And that dude has the nastiest slider in baseball. And I think we're going to figure him out here. Alex, don't worry about it. Jack steals stuff from me all the time. 
All right. That's not true. Yeah. Rate and review the podcast. <laughs> and uh, make Jack happy. And uh, I'm going to bed. Until next time. He's Fritz himself. We'll see you later. Go to bed. <laughs>